0: Welcome to OtoMentor, the podcast that provides mentorship for your otolaryngology career. I'm your host, Christina Cabrera-Muffley. All opinions expressed in this podcast are solely my own or my guests and do not express the views or opinions of my employer. Today's topic is choosing a fellowship in otolaryngology, the sleep edition. My guest today is Dr. Katherine Green. Catherine completed medical school at the Keck School of Medicine of the University of Southern California. She then came to the University of Colorado for her residency training. She returned to the University of California to complete a sleep fellowship and is double board certified in both otolaryngology and sleep. I had the pleasure of helping to train Catherine while she was a resident, and since she came back, she has returned the favor by teaching me more advanced sleep apnea surgical techniques. Catherine is the medical director of the University of Colorado Sleep Center, and in her spare time is raising two adorable daughters with her husband, Brad. Welcome, and thanks for being on the show, Catherine. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to start by asking you, let's go way back. What made you interested in otolaryngology as a subspecialty in the first place?
1: So I actually, after undergrad, I did a master's degree. So I got a two-year master's in anatomy and cell biology. And I was actually fortunate. I think a lot of people start uh, medical school and don't even know what otolaryngology is. Um, I found otolaryngology during my anatomy residency because I really first loved the anatomy of the head and neck Um, and got introduced to a couple of mentors during my master's degree time that kind of opened my eyes to the specialty. And I really liked the anatomy. I liked the surgeries. I liked the diversity of the field. Um, And I also really liked that everything we do really directly contributes to quality of life. So things like speaking and swallowing and hearing and um, sleep um, are all things that really make a difference in patients' day-to-day satisfaction. Um, And that was something that was really appealing to me.
0: Yeah, I completely agree about the quality of life. That's that's a good point. So then you came to Colorado, you did your residency here with us. You were an excellent resident, by the way. <laughs> um I enjoyed my small part in contributing to training. But then at what point did you decide, Oh, I really want to pursue a sleep fellowship?
1: Yeah, you know, as I was thinking what I wanted to do after residency, there were a couple of things that attracted me to sleep. Sleep is a really new field, and I think in particular sleep surgery is a field that's very young. And I'm someone I was you know, intending to stay in academics, I have a big interest in research and looking at where this field was going. It was really exciting to me to get in on a specialty that I think is changing and growing um, and be uh, a part of building expertise in a field that I think is growing in ENT. Sleep is important to all of us. And I think as a, as a specialty, it's interesting in terms of the wide array of effects it has on, on really every aspect of life from health to quality of life to job performance. So as I started looking around at training and job opportunities, I also noticed that sleep is something that there are really not very many ENTs doing it yet. And so from a job opportunity standpoint and from a standpoint of being able to establish myself as an expert in a field, um, it was a really exciting opportunity to, to learn a new skill and to get training that really wasn't available to me in residency and then hopefully Hopefully, bring it back here, which is what I was able to do.
0: Yeah, you definitely brought it back here. Catherine, as I've mentioned in the intro, taught me several new procedures that are really helpful and have better outcomes than procedures I was doing before. So, you decided you want to do sleep at what point in your residency did that become kind of the final decision and you started thinking about applications
1: yeah you know I, I first kind of found sleep and sleep surgery as a field probably not until about halfway through residency and it was probably sometime in the middle of fourth year or so when i was really starting to look at you know wh- what i was going to do after year 5 that kind of finalized that pathway the sleep fellowships are on a slightly different cycle and so i was ready to make make that decision by the time sleep medicine applications came around.
0: So tell me about that different cycle. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, you know, all of the fellowships in ENT, I mean, as you know well, have slightly different application cycles. You know, there's kind of scattered uh, interview seasons. And sleep medicine is later than any of them because the sleep surgery and sleep medicine fellowship programs um, are all on a more typical uh, fellowship track for internal medicine subspecialties. And so the application process actually starts July of your fifth year. And then interviews and the match were uh, later that fall, if I recall, it was sometime around November of fifth year. And so you're able to make that decision a little bit later. But, you know, there's that it's about a nine month gap between the match and starting fellowship rather than I know some of our specialties are like a year and a half.
0: That's interesting. So tell me more about this. Why is it on the medicine schedule? Is it because there's several different specialties that can apply?
1: Yeah, so sleep uh, sleep fellowships are a little bit unique in that uh, it's one of the few fellowships, sleep medicine. So a- ACGME certified sleep medicine fellowships um, are one of the few types of fellowships that you can actually come at from different uh, residency backgrounds. So you are eligible to apply for a sleep medicine fellowship if you've been trained in internal medicine, family medicine, pediatrics, neurology, psychiatry, ENT and anesthesia so there's actually a number of different pathways that can arrive at these fellowships and it's a the sleep medicine fellowship is a one-year fellowship program that gets you board certification in sleep medicine
0: so when you were looking around at fellowships, were there particular places that you wanted to go because they were more surgical? How does that work?
1: Yeah, it's it's sort of a new thing because right, sleep surgery, most I think actually almost all of the procedures that I do now in my practice didn't exist 10 years ago. And so it really, sleep surgery is really a new field and there is no technical board certification per se in sleep surgery. So there are two different types of fellowships that you can do. There are non-accredited training programs that give you training in just sleep surgery. And then there are there's the board certification in sleep medicine, which comes through doing an ACGME certified and accredited fellowship in sleep medicine. There are a number of programs uh, in the country that you can get board certified in sleep medicine. So if you've had good training during your residency in sleep surgery and you say, I know how to do all that stuff, but I want to be able to read sleep studies, you could technically go do any of those. There are only about seven programs in the country that have a board certified or an ACGME board certified fellowship in sleep medicine that will allow you to sit for the sleep boards that also have an ENT or a sleep surgeon that is involved pretty closely with the fellowship that allows you to do sort of a hybrid training. I did my fellowship at the University of Southern California and was technically a sleep medicine fellow for the year. I joined the pulmonary department, so I was officially a pulmonologist for a year. But they were able to be flexible with my training and my desires, and so I was able to spend a significant portion of my time also in the OR and in clinic on the ENT side of things with one of the nation's experts in sleep surgery. There are some programs that, like mine, will allow you to kind of combine those experiences into one year and do a hybrid fellowship. There are other programs that will um, require that you do the full one year in sleep medicine to get your your ACGME certification and then offer a second year where you could stay on and do
0: additional sleep surgical training. So tell me about the history of board certification, because I I think I recall that a couple of years ago, uh, you could be grandfathered in to to sit for the sleep boards within otolaryngology, uh, but you can't do that anymore.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So the board, uh, so sleep medicine was officially created, and the board certification created in 2007. And at that time, because there were a number of different specialties, and really no one had a fellowship in the past, and so there were a number of different specialties that were certainly actively practicing sleep medicine, and so there was an opportunity to grandfather into the specialty and get board certification, sit for the boards without formal fellowship training if you felt that your practice volume and your experience supported certification in sleep medicine. I believe that that was a five-year window. As of 2012, in order to Become board certified in sleep medicine, which is really allows you to be a sleep medicine physician and particularly allows you to read and interpret sleep studies, be a part of a sleep lab um, or things like that. After 2012, in order to sit for the boards, uh, you have to have done an ACGME-accredited sleep medicine fellowship, and then that board certification is on an every other year cycle. So the testing is offered every other year, and so since 2012, I believe—and don't don't hold me to the statistic—but several people have told me that I was the sixth. ENT to sit for the sleep medicine boards. So there really has not been, um, since 2012, there has been really only a handful of ENTs who have that dual board certification with formal fellowship training. So I think it's honestly a really nice way to distinguish yourself if you're looking for a way to build a practice or create a, a niche for yourself, whether that ends up being in a private practice setting or in an academic setting. It's a really unique certification and a really unique Combination of experiences that that really will continue to set you apart, I think, for the next couple of decades. And what year was your certification? So I was in. I did my fellowship training in the 2015 2016 year, um, and then I was actually in the the off cycle year, so I had to wait a year to do my uh, technical board certification. <laughs> okay.
0: So how competitive are? Let's say that board certification is important to you, so you yeah. want to go to an accredited fellowship. Mm-hmm. How competitive is that?
1: You know, the good news is is that uh, most ENT residents have gone through the most competitive part of their training. So, you know, ENT residents for the most part are uh, pretty stellar applicants. If you've made it into an ENT residency, you've been doing something right. You know, sleep medicine is a specialty that I think because of all of the different pathways that come through. My experience personally, and the experience that you know of other people that I've talked to who have applied and gone through sleep medicine fellowships from ENT um, is that, you know, as ENTs, we're going to be very competitive applicants overall just because of, you know, frankly, we've gone through longer residencies than some of the other uh, training programs. So we are higher in postgraduate year. And, uh, you know, it's a competitive specialty to begin with. So I think that in general, the average board scores and the average test scores for ENTs are going to make you a very competitive and favorable candidate for these fellowships trainings you know what I have found in general is you have to remember you're interviewing with pulmonologists and so there are definitely people who um, believe more strongly in sleep surgery and believe less strongly in sleep surgery but you know from a competitive standpoint I think that I would be surprised if an ENT that is interested in sleep medicine and sleep surgery wasn't able to match in a great program that would give them good training.
0: So tell me about your experience when you were a fellow. What did you like the most about that experience? Yeah, as I said, it's a very
1: different uh, different year. Uh, so the, the fellowship that I did was a one-year program. As I said, there are some that are two years. You know, sleep medicine is a very different schedule than ENT. So, you know, it's a nine-to-five job with no weekends and... No, no nights. So it was definitely a nice year after finishing up a five-year residency. Um, I think it's one of the things that really makes it possible to create this hybrid type of training program for those that are really interested because it's very possible to meet your ACGME requirements and still be able to have time in your week to spend in the operating room or to work on research or to spend an extra half day in ENT clinic because you know, you're motivated to to work hard. But it was a great year. I learned a ton. I think, you know, someone told me early on that you do fellowship for two reasons. Number one, because you love something and it's all you want to do. Or number two, because it's something that you didn't learn about and that you want to capture expertise in that you don't have. And for me, it it was both, uh, which I think is the, you know, the best of all worlds. You know, I had never Looked at a sleep study tracing before day one of fellowship. And so, you know, it was a lot of new information. And I really felt like I was able to spend the year gathering new skills and new expertise. And I think for all of us who love learning, and I think it's hard to be in medicine if you don't love learning, uh, that was a really satisfying thing for me. I felt like I didn't spend a single day in fellowship not doing something that I hadn't done before.
0: Yeah, and that's come in really handy when you came back because now our all of our residents are getting experience looking at tracings, which they didn't before when you were here. But now we have a lot more didactic exposure to those kinds of things, which is wonderful.
1: Yeah, and I think that you know something that's interesting about being an ENT in sleep medicine is I know a lot of my you know the handful of colleagues that I know that have gone through programs and training that are similar to mine really have pretty varied practice patterns in terms of how much sleep medicine they continue to do I ended up and I am the medical director here of the sleep center so I still do a lot of the primary side of sleep medicine um, and I do still a lot of you know reading of sleep studies and interpreting and seeing primary sleep patients Um, the the my co-fellow for the year who was the only other ent in the country that did a, a fellowship the same year that i did he has really an entirely sleep surgical practice so he joined an academic department where there was already a lot of other sleep medicine physicians and so he doesn't do a ton of the sleep medicine side of things his practice is entirely sleep surgery but i think that the background and the foundation in sleep medicine still helps to guide his his patient care every day
0: So at what point did you start looking for jobs and how did you decide to come back here? I mean, other than the fact that it's the best program ever. Well, exactly. Other than the fact that it's
1: fabulous and I, I wanted to come back here. Uh, so it, it I, I sort of looked around starting probably in the first third of the year of the fellowship. Um, you know, when I when I left, when I graduated residency, I, I had already talked to the department about the fact that this was something that we didn't have currently and that if it was something of interest to, to the department, you know, it was something that would be good to grow our department. So that was kind of always in the background in terms of my uh, career plans. It was sort of interesting because, as I mentioned, my co-fellow is also an ENT, and he did not have any career plans when he started. So I was able to watch him go through um, pretty much a national job search and pick the academic program that he wanted to go back to. Because, as I said, in terms of job security, I don't think there is any fellowship that you could do that would give you a, a more desirable job fields right now than sleep surgery. His experience was that most academic departments in the country don't have one and most are figuring out that they want one. And so I think from that standpoint, you can pick where you want to go and start looking around for jobs and marketing yourself. That's great.
0: So if you had to do it all again, would you pick the same fellowship? Without a doubt. Yes. (laughs) Uh, You know, I, I
1: think when I applied, there were actually four fellowships in the country that really had that strong sleep surgery training as something that they offer. There are now seven, eight technically, if you would include here, which I think if someone was interested in being a fellow here, we could absolutely create the same hybrid experience. And that's really what it is. It's about finding a program that will create that for you. One of the benefits when I started at USC and one of the reasons why USC see was very desirable in addition mainly to the, of course, expertise of Eric, who I trained with, is that they were a very new sleep medicine fellowship. So they were actually, I was the second year of fellows there. And they were very excited to be flexible with my schedule and allow me to really get every ounce of training and every ounce of experience that I wanted out of the program. And I know that there are going to be some programs in the country that are more, you know, ingrained, just like residency, right? They they have clinics and schedules and, you know, things that are very uniform. And so if you come in as an ENT and they've only trained pulmonary people in the past, you know, there's going to be some growing pains there. So I, my fellowship experience was absolutely everything that I wanted it to be. That's
0: really great. Yeah. So, as I mentioned before, you have two young, adorable daughters. (laughs) Yes. Um, They are six and... They are uh, five and a half and and uh, 18 months almost. There we go. So, yeah, Yeah. five and one. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, if they came up to you, clearly not now, (laughs) but if they came up to you in 15 years, 20 years, and said, Mom... I think I wanna be an otolaryngologist, or (laughs) mom, I think I wanna be a sleep surgeon, Mm -hmm. what would you tell them?
1: (laughs) Oh, I would tell them, I hope that whatever choice they make, that they pick something that makes them happy. You know, medicine is a hard thing to go into these days. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, medicine is changing. And I don't know, you know, it's it's sort of disheartening sometimes to hear that people that went into medicine 15 or 20 years ago say, you know, I'd never make the same choice again. I think finding a job that you love to do and something that gets you out of bed and makes you excited to go to work every day is worthwhile. I don't know what healthcare is going to look like in 10 years there are definitely going to be easier ways to make money <laughs> there are definitely going to be other pathways to satisfy you know making yourself happy and helping patients but i still love the field that i'm in i would make the same choice over again because i love what i do so
0: you know that's what i'll tell my kids <laughs> sounds great anything else you want to add before we conclude
1: no, this has been great. Thank um, you so much. You know, I would say actually the one the one thing that I will add is, you know something that someone told me early on and I think is really necessary, particularly in a field like this where there aren't very many ENTs in the country, there aren't very many of these programs. It's not quite as well established as other fellowships. If this is something that's interesting to you or you think, you know, I don't know a lot about sleep medicine or I don't know a lot about sleep surgery reach out to one of the handful of us that does it. Someone told me that early on and I was able to connect with the few people that are involved with these fellowships, the few names in this field that have really founded and continue to advance the field. And all of us that do sleep medicine and sleep surgery are more than happy to talk about our experiences. And I think that's the best way to really get involved. ENT is a very small world and ENT sleep surgeons are is an even smaller sphere. So we all know each other, we all know the programs and and we're all excited to get more people in involved. And so if there's ever anything that you want to know, I think that's step one is
0: just reaching out to one of us. So as you have uh, heard already in episode one, um, I do have an email address odomentorpodcast at gmail.com. So if you're having trouble finding Catherine Green's information to reach (laughs) out to her, you can reach out to me and I will forward that information as well. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for listening. (laughs) If you like what you just heard or didn't, please go to my show notes page to let me know your thoughts. There you will find a link to a brief survey so I can improve the quality of this podcast. I would greatly appreciate your help.